0: Some of the free shows this season include Iz Kali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver. You know those flashing signs over I-70 that say stuff like, don't be a stinker, use your blinker? Are they too funny? Me and producer Paul Coroli are talking about why the Fed seem to think so. Plus, a new historic preservation fight brewing in Park Hill and your hot takes on the best meat-free eats in town. Today is Tuesday, January 23rd. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about.
1: Hi, Paul. Hey, good morning, Bree. Let's get right into the news. We got a lot to talk about today. And this first story is such a doozy. It's a topic I know, you know, both of us get really riled up about, historic preservation. Um, This latest fight, comes to us in a story from Business Den. It's a debate that's going in front of the Landmark Preservation Commission today, Tuesday, whether or not to forward to City Council a petition from some Park Hill neighbors to block the planned demolition of the home at 5013 East Montview Avenue, and in doing so, dub it a historic landmark.
0: Yeah. I I mean... Look, I you, did you You saw the pictures of it, Paul. It's pretty dilapidated yeah. to begin with. I mean,
1: it didn't look It didn't look special. great.
0: That doesn't mean that it's not unique. However, uh, I, I, there is not seemingly a very strong argument to save this house. Oh? As far as I can tell. The, the case for preservation uh, that folks have put forward. And again, this is what they, the Landmark Commission does not like us to call it a hostile designation. But sometimes it's sort of perturbed. Interpreted that way, it's when someone who doesn't own the home Mm -hmm. wants to preserve it, so they put forth a case to say this needs to go before the landmark preservation.
1: And it might people might say it's hostile because the it's blocking the owner from doing what they want to do with their house.
0: Yes, yeah. And so the the folks that put forward this request for the designation say the previous occupants are of note. Uh, The previous occupant, I think, the original owner was Harry Huffman, who was a movie theater owner who later built a more famous and interesting house in Hilltop called the Shangri-La Mansion. I'll find a picture of it and put a link in our show notes. It is definitely a beautiful house and I could see a case for preserving that. But the fact that this sort of man is adjacent to this house and owned it at some time feels like a stretch. It feels flimsy. It feels Can flim- you
1: imagine, though, being so important that after you die, people are like, <laughs> that apartment she lived in for six months in New York, we have to save that forever.
0: That remind- I actually read about a case similar to this in L.A., uh, a Bukowski Bungalow,
1: Charles he, Bukowski. Yeah, that he
0: had rented or something for, huh. and people tried to save it, and it was this whole big thing. And
1: it's interesting to me.
0: It's like if it wasn't their childhood home, or like I don't know. It feels, in general, that criteria always feels like a stretch to me.
1: Um, you know, I find myself like almost always being like against these preservation requests, just because like it seems rare that there should be something so important that we keep. But um, ever since we talked about that Richard Crowther house during our Cherry Creek week, that house was so ugly to me. But then once I learned about it, after it was demolished, like it was kind of devastating. That was a special place.
0: It really was. It really was. And Richard Crowther, the thing that I struggled with was that house was ugly. For sure. Super ugly. But his other work is some of his other work is some of my favorite work in the city. He's done the the ticket booths. He did sort of the remodel right, of, of Lakeside. Lakeside. And so, but um what was interesting though was uh earlier, or I'm sorry, in spring of last year, council voted 10 to 1 to landmark a home against the owner's wishes. Okay. So there was an architecturally significant case for this other house. And when you, I, I'll put a link to that. That this was in a, this was a city park house. If you saw that house versus the house we're talking about now, I think you might see. Okay, there's definitely a case. It was a much more beautiful house that was defined architecturally. I would not say this house is one of those.
1: What do we know about the family? You know, because so here's here's the detail that jumped out to me from Business then Sixty-eight people, I guess, have emailed city officials opposing the preservation effort and supporting demolition. Yeah. What do we know about their case, that side of it?
0: Um, I mean, this family are already lives in the neighborhood. They purchased this house uh, and the property in, I think with the intent to demolish it and build something else to stay in their neighborhood. Um, And their argument is there's mold cracks and other issues that have rendered the property uninhabitable. And uh, the family has gotten a contractor to look it over and says, this could be a two to $3 million fix just to fix the current issues with the structure. And uh, so, again, this is like one of those situations where it's like, oh, no, poor rich people. How mm-hmm. sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think folks are supporting. It seems to me that these folks are just supporting their neighbors and wanting to build a house in their neighborhood hmm. is what it seems like to me. They mm-hmm. didn't say much about Bring what the- new
1: investment, maybe like get rid of an eyesore. If it is That's really what I'm dilapidated.
0: I'm wondering that, too, is like, is it just been sitting there for a long time? However, some folks in their preservation world would argue this does happen a lot where a developer buys a, bill, uh, a house, the, the tenants move out, and then it sits there for years and becomes dilapidated and mm-hmm. uninhabitable. So I don't know how long this house was sitting there. I know I know these folks purchased it from the fa- a family who'd owned it for 60 years. And so it had been inhabited for okay. a long time. Uh, but it just sounds like it, it's in need of a lot of work and the neighborhood for the most part. Wants to support this family in demolishing it and building something else.
1: Um, so, so the other thing we normally talk about with these historic preservation battles is like the density debate, like right. demolishing the single-family right. home and maybe be building townhouses or like multiple units. Is that no. the case here? <laughs> no. So that's irrel- irrelevant to this. Wouldn't that be debate. lovely?
0: Wouldn't that be lovely? That
1: fit into a narrative for sure.
0: I mean, to me, that was one of the turning points for me in the preservation uh, mindset. Was I was heavily pro preservation. Early on, I don't know, probably ten or fifteen years when I got more interested in this subject, and I still am interested in preservation. But uh, that that argument made me think it is important sometimes to tear down these buildings if we can build more housing. Unfortunately, in this kind of situation, that's not what's happening at all. It's they a small family of four that wants to build a giant mansion. A nicer, yeah. Which you okay. know what? If I had the money to, too, I'd probably want to build a giant mansion as well. So. I, that's the sympathy is is low for me on that end. However, I don't see the importance of this home. Right, be the end result to me.
1: Right, but it's not up to us. It's up nope. to the landmark preservation commission. Like I said, they're voting today, Tuesday, January twenty second. They could forward it to city council, but they don't have to. What do you, What do you think is going to happen?
0: I don't think that there's a strong case to save this house, and I would I would think that the one of the arguments here is there hasn't been enough research done by the folks that put up this landmark request. So it's like they don't have a strong case. So I would be surprised if it moves on to city council.
1: Right. Yeah. That seems like a way to say, like, you didn't find enough good reasons.
0: Yeah. And like this, the connection to somebody in the community of note is a stretch. And this, I think the, I think the the current owners have said like, okay, this, what is the style they say it is? Uh, Italian Renaissance revival is what, Mm. is says is the style of house that i think the family that owns it is like well the roof looks like that but the rest of it's not really of note so interesting yeah so we'll see what
1: happens we'll see i guess we'll update folks later on in the week after that vote absolutely absolutely
0: our next story um is about humor and the highway Uh, (laughs) two great tastes (laughs) go great together for some people i don't know um better than the alternative what of negativity? In there? Yeah,
1: road rage, getting uh, angry.
0: But maybe this would incite road rage? Maybe. Some people, I don't know. Um, Axios Denver reported last week that the Federal Highway Administration is implementing these new rules blocking signs over highways with, quote, pop culture references, humor, or anything that might be misunderstood or understood only by a limited segment of road users and require greater time to process and understand. What is going on with this, Paul?
1: It's such a fun thing. I thought this was just a Colorado thing. Oh. When I was looking into this, I learned apparently like all over the country, different states do this. All of them are kind of like getting on this used jokes to get across safety messages, this whole train. Um, but anyway, uh, the Denver Post reported in 2018 that CDOT, uh, Colorado Department of Transportation, has been doing this since 2015 um, when there was a big spike in road fatalities. They Their traffic safety communication Manager Sam Cole, who's been widely lauded for his work uh, with jokes, <laughs> uh, started using humor in these in these messages. So that's why we have things on these signs over I-70 that say stuff like "Get your head out of your apps." Or uh, uh, here's Cole's personal favorite: "Who are you gonna call? No one. You're driving." <laughs> Which, oh, which I,
0: like. I get it. No, like yeah. Ghostbusters. Okay.
1: Yeah, maybe that was topical at it, it's, its. If the reboot was coming out or something, the maybe, Ghostbusters. Reboot. Yeah,
0: maybe I was like, because otherwise, that's a real dated reference.
1: Yeah. Which is kind of part of the issue here. Like for some people, that's going to be hilarious because they'll think about Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray. And uh, for other people, young people, perhaps they'll think, what the hell am I supposed to think about that sign?
0: Right. And I, yeah, it's, it is very contextual uh, to the person reading it, what they, what the context is for them. and. I love I love good humor. I love cheesy humor. I love corny. I'm a bumper. I love bumper sticker humor. I don't love these. To be no? honest with you, no. They they feel a little bit. Um. They. I. To me, they in sort of incite distracted driving. Interesting. Because like you're trying to read something really fast, and you're like, is this an important message, like an amber alert or like an avalanche alert or something? Oh no! It's just get your head out of your apps.
1: I feel like. Sometimes I agree with you. Cuz some cause, so here Axio's Denver reported on this. They had a list of their favorites. There's some of these that I think are like good, simple, like uh around Thanksgiving there was one that C. used, "Gobble gobble, easy on the throttle." You know, I, I know what that means. I guess. It's not funny. No. It's not funny at all.
0: No. Also like I'm not driving a rocket ship. I'm <laughs> driving true. a you Subaru. There's no throttle. There's no in- <laughs> throttle in my Honda CRV.
1: Um Cats have nine, you have one, buckle up.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: That requires a level of abstraction, you know? Nine what? One yeah. what? Lives, yeah. you know? But you have to take a second to, to make the connection.
0: Camp in the mountains, not in the left lane. I like it in theory. I don't know how many people think or use that terminology.
1: To camp in the left lane? Yeah.
0: I understand what they're saying is like, don't drive slow in the left lane. Yeah. But...
1: But I don't. I wouldn't don't, use that word no. in conversation.
0: No, to me, that's a restaurant word. Honestly, when I worked in a restaurant, I'd be like, "Oh, ugh, table five is camping all Just night, camping so I'll be here till ten with my one table. It's going to tip me three dollars. I don't know about tr- someone driving slow. So it is. It's so. Re- it's so hyper specific to the driver. Yeah. And I think about yeah. all the other things on the road we're trying to be paying paying attention to. I was driving on Colfax the other day, mm-hmm. and it was green green light for a long time. And by the time I I come up to the crosswalk, there's a man walking, looking at his iPad. I missed him by like, and I thought, oh my God, I would have hit a driver. But it's like, these are the kinds of things we're trying to walk, or, 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 or a yeah. pedestrian. These are the kinds of things we're trying to pay attention to. And that's why I find these signs just like not helpful.
1: Yeah. So yeah.
0: But what was the response to these sort of new rules or at least recommendations for what to put on a sign?
1: Well, apparently, people all over the country love their funny signs because, at least according to the Washington Post, there was outcry and complaints from everybody, from departments of transportation, from regular folks. You know, everyone. I think everyone has like seen one of these go viral and laughed about it on the yeah. internet. But yeah. Anyway, um, and even from our own, uh, from our own C. Dot, uh, tr- our transportation director Shoshana Liu uh, told Axios Denver, Washington sure knows how to take the fun out of funding. <laughs> She slipped a a pun even in here. Um, Kidding aside, we think a little levity can help get important messages across, especially especially in tough weather conditions and while we fix our roads and bridges.
0: So have you ever been driving and the sign is, it's got so much information on it, it has to change? Mm -hmm. I find myself slowing down to try to make sure I can see the whole whole length of the sign. Yeah. Same. That's why I feel like that's what I'm paying attention to. I'm really hoping I get some pertinent information about the road from it. Yeah. Not a joke that alludes to the to a Christmas story.
1: I well, a Christmas story that's I mean that's definitely one of them. I mean, people have done a like a frigila thing. I don't know that movie. Um but um, I guess like C dot themselves have admitted that they um, they've changed their approach to these jokes. Um, so here's a quote from Cole, who I mentioned earlier. Cole admitted that he might have gone overboard in previous years. Younger people probably understood One Sign's use of Y O L O to mean you only live once, but the phrase might have escaped older generations. Like like we kind of talked about, you know, different audiences. This that's you know, humor is contextual, humor and- slang.
0: It's very age. You know, Um, specific.
1: And I guess CDOT, I guess, has a rule against pop culture references. Other states do that a lot, but they don't do that here anymore. Um, But anyway, um, after this outcry, the Post reported last week that – Washington Post reported last week that the FAA claims to have been totally misunderstood. This was not ever intended to be a ban on humor on highways. Oh. Um, this new edition of their rules uh, doesn't include a ban on humor or pop culture references on changeable message signs, an administration spokesperson said in an email. Rather, it includes a recommendation to avoid the use of humor and pop culture references in changeable message signs that may confuse or distract drivers.
0: So they're saying it wasn't, we didn't, this wasn't the. Like the hammer coming down. We were just recommending that maybe think deeper about what you're putting on your side.
1: Which is like basically saying, you know, keep doing it, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Try to be better at it. How do you even tell transportation officials like be funnier, be better at it? That's what this whole thing is about.
0: I I don't need you to be funny. I need you to be boring and be good at your job, which is like making the road safer for people. And this to me does not do that. Also, have you ever seen a road sign that's clearly been like, Hacked no, oh my god, during it was during UMS like 10, maybe not even that long ago. Someone hacked a construction sign, yeah. That would be like usually they say, like, lock your valuables in your car or whatever to prevent car thefts. They'll have they'll, they'll park those signs around the city. Someone hacked into it and changed it to an eastbound and down reference that it just read <laughs> tight dick player, <laughs> it was on a street. A CDOT construction <laughs> sign on Broadway for like a whole night. <laughs> so sometimes, yeah. all that to say, sometimes I see these signs and I'm like, did they get hacked?
1: That's hilarious. Is someone
0: like controlling this? It's not supposed to be.
1: I would not have gotten that reference. That would have been distracting to me. I had to, to Google
0: it. No, I had to. I didn't know what it was either, but oh. I had to Google it and then I watched it and I was like, oh, this, now I want to watch this show. So whoever did this, good job. But, hmm. but yeah, it's very hyper specific. Um, but okay, I guess this gets back though to the question of the what the point of the signs are in general, which is like to convey information to drivers. Mm -hmm. Do these signs work?
1: Do they work? Um, that's a hard question. The, the Washington Post talked to some researchers. They talked to people behind a couple of studies, um, and it was totally mixed. So one study was uh, some scientists looked at like brainwave monitoring of people looking at these signs, and uh, which sounds like a fun study to be a part of. <laughs> <It> does. <laughs> Is this sign funny or not? Um, and that said that the people were more engaged due to the humor of the sign.
0: Engaged in the road?
1: Engaged in the sign, I think. Okay. (laughs) So they were saying like the sign worked better. But but then the National Academy of Sciences' own transportation research board did their own study and they concluded the opposite. They said that it would actually be better if if these signs didn't have any, they weren't funny or had pop culture references.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, we're talking about distracted driving is this huge issue. Yeah. Drive down any road, you see people looking down at their crotches the whole time because they're looking at their phones. So doesn't this just create a similar scenario?
1: <laughs> well, I did look at the data. I mean, yeah. remember we talked about this starting in 2015. CDOT started because of a spike in traffic fatalities. So here's here's the data since then. Uh, traffic fatalities have continued to trend up. Um, with an exception, this is across the state, with an exception of the pandemic year 2020 um, and 2021. But every, it's been pretty much up since 2010 when there was 411 traffic fatalities. Um, 2022 was the high water point for this, 699 traffic fatalities across the state. Oh, Last year it actually went it. down to 577. So maybe they're getting funnier. I mm-hmm. I don't know. I just
0: what? hear I can just hear our beloved transit freaks in our audience going are you kidding me? Like we're adding one more thing to distract a driver when yeah. I think of it you're a cyclist, Paul? Mm-hmm. Do you want someone on the road reading a hilarious reference to I, I remember I saw one that was like road rage be like Elsa let it go? Like they're looking at that instead of looking at you and the, yeah. in the, you know.
1: Yeah. Maybe the sign maybe is the too lane. engaging.
0: Kinda. Maybe. I think so. So
1: it's an interesting issue.
0: It is a really interesting issue. Uh, I, I want to hear hot takes. I want people's hot takes. I do too. If
1: you've got a strong opinion, like one way or the other on this, if you love the funny signs, if you hate the funny signs, personally, I feel like no one can be that funny and that precise consistently. Like a low yeah. level of non-distraction worthy funniness.
0: Unless you have like comedians there
1: working for you. But
0: yeah. If you, uh, you can call into our C dot comedy, Hour hotline at seven, two, zero, five, zero, zero, five, four, one, eight. Let us know what you think about, uh, f- supposed to be funny highway signs. Are they funny? Are they effective? Are they dangerous? Do you want to be writing better ones? let us know. 720-500-5418. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we hear from you, our dear listeners. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board It's time for the 75th annual spring plant sale at the Denver Botanic Gardens. Mark your calendars for Friday and Saturday, May 10th and 11th. Admission is free, but you must register in advance at botanicgardens.org. Registering my husband, Greg, right now for the plants I want him to pick out and plant in our yard for me. (laughs) shop from 15 different plant divisions including annuals, house plants, herbs and veggies and specialties like aquatics, container garden in a bag and plants grown right at the gardens. The Gardens horticulture staff will be on site to answer any and all plant questions you may have. This sale emphasizes water-smart and native plants that are perfect for our semi-arid climate. They'll be great for a beautiful landscape that doesn't require a bunch of water. For more details, registration information, and a catalog of available plants, go to botanicgardens.org. That's botanicgardens.org.
1: And we're back. Uh, As we do every Tuesday, we like to end the show with listener comments and questions because you all are brilliant and hilarious listeners, you know, always have interesting stuff to say. Um, So we got a few voicemails. We got a few comments. I think mostly this time they're going to be about that meat-free, that vegetarian vegan episode we did last week with um, our our friend of the show, Brooke Garcia, and uh, Native Foods owner Michael Olivas.
0: Well, Paul, you were asking for it. (laughs) and
1: I got it. We got a ton of great feedback.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, I'm joking, but we did, but I just want to say prior to this, we got a lot of requests for folks asking us to talk about good vegetarian food around the city. And so this was not just out of nowhere. We heard from you, our listeners, give us some recommendations. Tell us what you think. And Paul went out and found two experts and Paul himself, a wishy-washy vegetarian. No. I've been
1: reducetarian. Yeah, reducetarian. That's what I'm calling myself you're right. now. You've
0: been very pragmatic about it. I want to be fair. You have not been like, you're not a high horse person about it. And you've not been like, oh, I'm off the wagon. You're just like, I'm trying to figure out what's going on in this world. Here's how I'm going to start it. So you, the reducetarian, joined a pescatarian and a vegetarian?
1: A maybe? vegan and a vegetarian, I vegan think is and how they would identify.
0: Okay, we got a voicemail. Hi, guys. I just listened to your uh, vegetarian-vegan episode. And the one I love right now is... And Highlands Ranch, total vegan Indian restaurant. Uh, I go with vegan and non-vegan friends and it's delicious.
1: Total vegan. Never heard of it. Thank you for the recommendation. I'm writing this one down.
0: I will also say, thank you, listener. I, we don't really give Highlands Ranch any if, a, a, any attention, if at any at all. And um, so I would have never heard of this place. Yeah. And I have to say, this the name Total Vegan Indian Restaurant does not feel like somewhere you want to take your non-vegan friends, but from our listeners, it sounds like this is that place. Hi, uh, this is Anne. I live in Northeast Park Hill, and I just listened to the, um, the episode about vegan and vegetarian restaurants, and I was surprised you left off um, Wellness Sushi. It's a sushi restaurant that's all vegan. It's right by the Tattered um, cover, and I just thought you might want to check it out. Thanks.
1: We have, we have briefly talked about Wellness Sushi. I've been there a couple of times. Have you been there, Brie?
0: I have to say it does not sound appetizing to me.
1: Yeah, I think sushi without fish. I mean, it's like rolls of like vegetables and, and fruit and stuff and rice.
0: Which I think is great. I'm glad it exists. I eat sushi because I want to eat raw fish. So yeah. I'm not really the target market for this. But what's interesting is Wellness Sushi is one of those uh, com- local companies that did a crowdfunding campaign to expand. And they've done so. So, they're clearly
1: yeah, they popular. They seem to be doing well. Personally, I think that place is good, not great. Okay. I feel like the roles are too big. The mm. the, the radius is too big. That could be tighter. Okay. A little more focused on some of those roles. <laughs> that's my that's my critique, but I generally think it's quite good.
0: Okay, good rec. Good rec. Uh, what else do we have? Hi, this is Alex from Clayton. I was calling to recommend another vegan restaurant, Somebody People. Um, I was expecting the whole time during the episode for somebody to bring it up it's amazing. We took my mother in law when she was visiting there, and she has allergies to pork and she was just so excited with everything that we had um so yeah, I would definitely check it out thanks somebody people
1: this is this is the big one Paul lots I know, of people wrote in about somebody people,
0: but you You've not thought favorably about it. However, you went and revisited somebody people.
1: Yes, I went once weekend, before, this maybe right. a year or two ago, uh, around, I don't know when they opened, a few years ago. Um, but I didn't have a great time. Um, so that's why I didn't talk about it. I haven't talked about it. So after this deluge of feedback, including from our friend of the show, Ian Silveri, who wrote in to encourage me to revisit somebody people, I did. My wife and I went on Friday night. Yeah. And I have to tell you, Brie, I hated it. Oh, again. Again, I hated it. Do you hate the food? The food, the the, the ambiance is like neon lights. It's very like pinks and greens. It's like millennial, or it's like, I don't know, like that Gen Z green and pink. It's inspired by David Bowie. They have a cool David Bowie mural in the bathroom.
0: I was guessing by the somebody people, which is a lyric from, uh, oh my God, modern. I don't know. Oh my God. Don't, don't, don't at me. It's not from wow, Zola. I'm surprised.
1: I thought you'd have oh this top God. of your mind. Oh my God, it's
0: from my favorite. It's from Ziggy Stardust too. Uh, oh, Five Years. Duh. It's like the opening track. It's from Five Years. Anyway, yes, I asked you, I was like, is this a David Bowie themed place? Mm-hmm. So you're like, absolutely. But that ambience doesn't really do anything for you.
1: No. I mean, okay. it was fine, but it was just the food. It's too expensive. It costs like $100 for Megan and I to get like four dishes. And they're all very small. They call them like small plates. Oh, but it's like it's ev- the tapas grift. But here's the real problem with these, this place. Every single dish, the primary flavor is sourness. Oh. They love sourness. The bread, sourdough. The roasted broccoli, sour. The beets, they had this sour, creamy white sauce, and it must have been like canned beets. There was no texture. It was so not fun. So not
0: a good balance. There's not enough a balance of no different balance. flavors. No balance. Okay.
1: No okay. balance. Okay. I, ha- I, hate to do- I hate to be negative about a restaurant like this. I know I'm in the minority here. I know a lot of other people in this vegan, vegetarian, reducetarian community love this place. I'm glad that it's here and it's making people happy. But for me, somebody people... I'm never going back. Brutal. Sorry, sorry to say it.
0: I'm still gonna go because I'm, I'm gonna investigate the David Bowie-ness of this space.
1: <laughs> Maybe there's references that I miss. The, the, my, the I mural mean, is good.
0: He's, you know, he's a very deep artist. Anyway, uh, okay. Well, interesting. Um, but we we have we have one more note from a, a listener to that.
1: Yeah, can I read this one?
0: I want you I, to. I'm I'm offended. I'm hurt by this comment, and I wasn't even on this show. All
1: right, so I just I just dragged uh, somebody people a little bit, but then this person comes, so gives 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 us a little bit of that Levity. back. It, but I loved it. So Mike Mike from West Wash Park here uh, loved the show most days, but the episode on vegetarian food in Denver 2 quote unquote experts, and the best you could do was salty oh salty <gasps> and vegan van. Did you forget you had a show to do and then checked TripAdvisor <gasps> five minutes before hitting the record button? Button.
0: Oh my God, Mike does not understand the neuroticness that goes into some of our shows. Where you think so deeply about us doing them that we talk about them for months. Paul. Truly,
1: truly. I mean, yeah. I mean, my recommendations. I I put my whole whole heart behind those. I know. Um, I gotta wow. say, I hadn't heard salty o oh, salty That's before. For city, oh, city That's pretty funny.
0: I will. I will be with Mike a little bit on this one. I go there. I struggle. I struggle with a lot of things about that place. More, mm-hmm. it's more about the attitude when you walk in and they're like, "Why are you bothering to come in here?"
1: Or perhaps the service fees, the ever-changing oh, service fees. The situation. confusing yeah.
0: tip on top of a tip on top of a tip. But um, but I, the salty thing does ring true. I haven't had vegan van, although uh, I've heard wonderful things about it. But he's saying there's more out there that the Trip Advisor.
1: Well, we got comments. a few more recs from listeners here. With somebody people, you'll probably like. You know, I didn't like it, but maybe you will. A lot of other people do.
0: Have you been to Cholo Ass Vegan?
1: No, not yet.
0: I haven't either. I I followed them on Instagram. Heard they're amazing.
1: Yeah, same. Heard they're amazing.
0: Well, we're always taking your recommendations for anything, especially if I know there's more vegetarian restaurants out there, but um, you can give us a call at 720-500-5418 and let us know that Paul's wrong again about so many people. I'm kidding. No, let us know. maybe let us know what your favorite places are that too that didn't get mentioned or that are... What I loved, I just want to go back to this comment from our listener that um, she likes so many people for someone that had pork allergies. Mm. It's not somebody you're thinking about who's like, they're not necessarily a vegetarian. They're looking for without things, without things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also a helpful tip when you're, you know, maybe you're a gluten person or, you know, you're a pork person. So I don't know. This has been interesting. I'm glad we got such fiery feedback though. I have to say.
1: Me too. We appreciate it. It was fun. So great. Especially you, Mike from West wash park. Shout out to you, Mike. Mike, Thanks for bringing the fire. But
0: Mike, tell us where you want to go. Agreed. Where should we go? Mike, let us know, especially in wash park. What are the options? I have no idea. Uh, okay well this has been uh, enlightening as usual thanks Paul
1: see you next time Bree
0: that's all for today here on CityCast Denver if you enjoyed this show why not take a minute to tell CDOT's top comic Sam Cole about us rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm we'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city bye bye